Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Startup Diary Podcast. Do you find yourself wasting your time with customers that are incorrectly qualified? This is the show for you. Enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 308 of the Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge, and I'm with my co-host, Adam Callow. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Startup Diary Podcast. If you're new here, this is where we are sharing what it's truly like to try and build a business. Company's now six years old. Actually, the Harry, did you just see that on LinkedIn? No, is my answer to that. I am not on LinkedIn <laughs> as much as you are. <laughs> I just got on those work anniversary automated posts. Six years this month. It was actually the 17th of April. Six years How since starting this company. Feel? A bit crazy, to be honest. Like... The way that we talk about the business is we, it changes. It, <laughs> it, the, it, it's it, three years old. <laughs> <laughs> it, it changed a lot for the first three and a bit years. Yeah. So I, I do genuinely feel like the company that we're in today is three, three and a half years old. But seeing that six year milestone made me think, wow. Is I'm, that from, I need an expert? Yeah. Is that where it started? That's sort of like uh, the first day that I did consultancy was around then. So that's when, wow. yeah, and we've actually had a, a listener question from from Shane. He wanted to learn more in terms of the details of what did the consultancy side of the business actually look like? How did we win the work? What were we doing? And I guess, how did we deal with clients? Because I guess there's a lot of people listening to the show that want to start a business and consultancy is the easiest step to move into. So I'm looking forward to covering that off soon. But yeah, six years, mate. Long time. If you graphed it out though, if you looked at what we did like year one, year two, we are on a really nice... <laughs> Like from a, the graph would be a little bit more steady now. A little bit more steady. It doesn't really look like a graph in the first year. It's just like a squiggle. <laughs> Have you seen that drawing of like what people think a startup's like? And they kind of like a graph up and to the right hmm. and start here, end here. And what it is, is just like a fucking spider, like a spider's <laughs> ran across a page of circles and squiggles. And you eventually get to where you want to go to, but it's definitely not. It's definitely not the journey that you thought you'd take from day one. And I, I, I'm six years into this now. Mm. I feel old. Still in the squiggle. It's still in the squiggle. Way. I don't think that's ever going to change. Uh, but I, I generally feel a little bit old and uh, gray-haired in the whole startup ecosystem entrepreneurship stuff right now. Just feeling old in general, mate. Mate, so I'll, I'll cover it off. I don't know if I mentioned it on a previous show, but uh, Sarah's sister turned 18, I don't know, like a week ago. And I yeah. went and I took my kids and it was a, at like a village hall and they hired a disco and there was a bar and all this stuff. And she's 18 now. And I'm just for context, I'm 30 this year. So are you. And <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember looking around thinking, we were not like that at 18. Like they looked 12. It made me feel old. Like, mm. But so, how mature did you feel when you were that age? You were I like, felt, I'm so old I right felt now. Like I'm a an man. adult. I felt like a man. I was mm. like, I know everything I need to know right now. <laughs> like, I'm sorted. ID I'm, me. I'm, ID me. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I was like. But on two notes, one, they looked dead young. And two, none of them had any swagger about. Like the boys, the men, I'm going to call them boys because they look like 12-year-olds. I just felt like, obviously, we were the same. So it's not a critique of them. It's just a critique of how you see the world when you are young. <laughs> Because yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, could go off oh, that tangent. The joys of being young. So today's show, guys, if you've got through that, uh, I missed the waff. I missed the little bit of banter that we used to do before the shows. I don't think many people do. Just me, <laughs> just me. Let's get into it. So uh, today <laughs> we should put like timestamps so people can just skip. Skip. Yeah. 
do that <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> and i want new have you seen what some shows do now they do different artwork for different yeah. areas of the show yeah that's that's great for them <laughs> so guys if you were tuned into today's show you're probably wondering what today's topic is so <laughs> me too <laughs> we have previously been covering off some of the bits we've done at expert trades live so Expert Trades Live is a one-day workshop that we deliver for trades professionals as part of the community we have here at Expert Trades. We get 15, 18, 20 gas engineers in a room, and then we help them with the fundamental principles of marketing and sales, because these guys are what we class as accidental business owners. And some of the feedback from members of the community is like, this would be really good content for the podcast. So we're sort of covering that workbook in this show. We've done, I think we've done two previous shows on this. One is around setting smart goals. Yep. And I believe we've dropped these every Wednesday. Is that right, H? Uh, <laughs> no, I thought it was, no, it, it was Monday. It was, it's it normally was Monday. Cool. But because we I remember we had a conversation about, so you're going to hear this on Friday where we're going to, and it's like, no, 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 you're going to hear it on Monday. Okay. But on this week's Monday show, I actually had... Uh, I don't know why I'm like literally guessing that. I've got the show in front of me. It that's was, why I it threw it over Monday. to you. I, yeah. I didn't want to alarm you. You look like I just I actually... I was actually just doing something else and then you threw it to me. I was like, ah, break! <laughs> so normal schedule show for this is Monday. But as last Monday was bank holiday Monday, we didn't get in to record on the Monday morning. Uh, we did actually come in on the afternoon and do some show planning, which is counterintuitive. Uh, but yes... Yesterday, at the point of recording this, we had uh, the interview with Lee Wilcox over on the tools, which was which was a lot of fun. And if you were actually interested in raising any money or anything like that, um, go and listen to that show. It just covers mm. off the mistakes that I've I've made, uh, and I get a little bit sassy with it because I think Lee knows how to prod my buttons, uh, which is good. Made, made for a good interview. Have you listened to it yet? I have not. Have you not? Oh my god! <laughs> Come on, mate. Where's I the have got a lot of podcasts to listen to. It is on my feed. It is going to be listened to. Good to hear. Okay, so today. <laughs> is a follow-up, which is sort of like uh, episode three of our sales workbook. Uh, episode one was all around smart goals. Yep. Episode two was, was... How to sell your product or service. And that's where we spoke about features, advantages, and benefits. Mm. Is Majority of people only speak about features of a product where customers buy the benefit. And I think the key thing to cover off is you're not gonna learn how to do better selling just by listening to some podcasts. And that's the truth of it. The idea of this is to help you think Don't about it. Don't it, mate. <laughs> the idea of this is to help you guys think about it, uh, prompt you down the right path of asking yourself the right questions of how this relates to your business. Because sales is actually really personal. Some people like to do very aggressive selling. Some people are more passive. I think if me and Harry were both salespeople, we'd be the exact opposite of each other. Mm. Do you agree? Like you'd, yeah. be, you'd be that guy. You can just tell from the way that you're sort of already leaning back and going, yeah, I'd be the consultative salesperson come to me sort of thing if you have a question where well, I'm like in your face I used to sell gas and electricity door to door like that scumbag that, ta <laughs> that takes a certain level of aggression and did you did you notice when you said that to people um, when yeah. you were doing the training it was like <gasps> yeah Ugh, you dirty door knocker <laughs> it was 100% that uh, but you have to I had to let them know because I've gone through this like it's mm. an experienced thing I've done door knocking uh, selling gas and electricity door to door I've done telesales so I've made 150 calls a day where the only goal you had was to get one yes so 149 no's in a day but that's a sort of that's one type of selling there's loads of different types of selling so did smart goals we did selling on benefits not features and today we're talking about qualifying your customers to save you some time mm. so wait if i ask you the question let's go through this as if you're the listener if you were brand new in sales and i ask you like what does qualifying your customers mean well 
I actually uh, attended one of the sales trainings. Oh, you did? Okay. So I was uh, privy to some of the uh, the insights. Basically, it is uh, qualifying your customer is knowing that they're the right. So for it, let me take it back. It's basically knowing that that the person you're dealing with is the person that is going to spend the money and buy the product you're trying to sell. Like if you don't qualify them as as that customer, you could be speaking to someone that's not the decision maker. Hundred percent. So there's there's four different things that we need to think about when qualifying the customer. But you're exactly right mm-hmm. in terms of am I speaking to someone that will buy this product? Because at the end of the day, as a salesperson, we I was trained back in the day as something called go for the no. I want to, because I used to churn and burn through numbers because I used to basically make 150 calls a day through the yellow pages. There was so many leads for me to run at. I could go for the mm. no. And in certain industries, you can't do that. You've got a finite number of people that you need to build a relationship up with. Yep. Whereas go for the no basically means is save your time as much as possible because the only thing you've got as a salesperson that you can control really is your time. So you need to find out very quickly if that person is a good prospect for your product or service. Think about this as a trades professional. Like I know, because I've been in the van with some of these guys and girls, is they'll get a phone call saying, I need a new boiler. And they go, oh, great, not a problem. I'll come and give you a quote next Tuesday at 10. They'll drive 30 minutes. They'll go into the house and they'll look at the system and it'll be like, oh, this is an oil boiler. I only do gas. And they're like, oh, okay, sorry. Mm. And they leave. So they've just had a booking, wasted an hour to an hour and a half of their day backwards and forwards and they actually can't go and do the job. So there's a number of different tools that we want people to think about when they're speaking to customers. And the goal is go for the no and save yourself some time and correctly prospect your customers. Does that all that makes sense? Mm -hmm. So if you listen to this right now and you're thinking, actually, I've gone through this situation before. I've had customers call me up, I've gone and meet them. I've driven halfway around the country, walked through the door and I've realized very quickly that these are not a good fit. Mm. What you need to understand is after you've learned the tools of a correct sales process, that's your fault because you should have qualified them correctly. Four things to think about is does the customer that you're speaking to, the prospect that you're speaking to, have the ability, the authority, the inclination, and the budget to buy your service? So let's repeat those. And if you are listening to this, I do advise, if you can write these down, if if you're not in a position to do that, re-listen to this later, because these are the four key points. Do they have the ability, the authority, the inclination, and the budget to buy your service? Let's get into exactly what they mean right after this break. Cool. So we've got the four things, which I've already forgotten, ability and the other three. Um, (laughs) Run me through exactly what those are. Ability. We'll start with the one that you remembered from seven (laughs) seconds ago. (laughs) About 15, actually. I've got, wait, ability, authority. Yep. Inclination. Yep. I feel like it was a B. It was a B. Money. Think about money. What do they need to have? Budget. 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 Okay. Ability, authority, inclination, budget. And even if you're driving, Mm. we've repeated this so many times now (laughs) that you will remember this. Does your prospect have the ability, Mm. authority, inclination, and budget to buy your service? Okay. So let's go into the ability. Mm -hmm. This is more of a, does this customer fit your remit of work? Uh, And the example that I'll give is from a gas engineer. And then if you can think of anything else, H, or any any industry that you want us to try this on, let yep. me know. So gas engineers, they've sort of got like a couple of different services. So yep. oil and gas boilers, two different types of boilers, bit of an education piece. 
Uh, and then secondly is they just where they where they trade from because it's a physical job they do they have to drive to it so in terms of ability it might come down to qualifying your customers to see is oh thanks for giving me a call Harry just out of curiosity what type of system do you have at the property is it oil or is it gas and they go mm. oil and you go oh I don't work on oil thanks very much you need to find someone that's that that's, has got that quali- I was going to go technical then but it's got that qualification I've already saved myself visiting you mm. to find that out. That's one of the abilities. Am I able to do the type of work you're asking me to do? Secondly, it's, hey, Harry, whereabouts are you calling from? Just out of curiosity. And you go, Wales. And I go, oh, I'm in Birmingham. I don't travel to Wales. Really interesting you found my number. Probably find out where you found it from. But then you're not wasting your time for the rest of that mm. phone call actually entertaining that customer to find out they then live in Wales. When you go, oh, I'll come and see you next Tuesday at 10. What's your postcode? You probably pick it up from the Welsh accent, to be honest. But <laughs> uh, that's that's the ability thing. Any questions on that, H? No, makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. So it's based. Uh, oh, but actually, this, this sounds very service based, though, as in like a, the role of a heating engineer is to visit the homeowner's house. Yep. Um, I feel like it's that dynamic that this is most appropriate for. Um, yeah. Give me another. Let's just let's just throw some ideas around. So just give me. Give me like another idea of another industry. Think about someone that we know maybe from the community. Like, uh, let's take Sam, because uh, I was with him over the weekend. Sam from Tribecto. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sam does uh, sales automation. Yep. Uh, well, he actually just does everything around automation. So what he might be asking is, uh, for one of his, because he does a number of different products, and for one of his products to work, uh, you need to have a certain amount of website traffic. Okay. okay. So... Like he could go and qualify the customer across everything else, the inclination, the budget. Um, but he needs to understand actually, Harry, thanks for reaching out. You want to automate sales process from your website. What sort of website traffic are you getting today? A dizzying 10 hits a day. Dizzying 10 hits a day. Well, actually, that might actually work to be honest. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because they might be highly qualified and then Sam would jump in okay. and turn those. I don't mind plugging Sam here, but that would turn those 10 hits into into leads. But if you said, oh, I, I don't, one I don't know is, Sam then might go, okay, let's get Google Analytics installed on your website before I come and speak to you because I want to make sure it's a good use for my time and yours. It also mm. helps set the value proposition moving forward as you're an expert in your field. If someone goes, oh, I'm getting three hits a month. And you go, listen, the biggest problem you've probably got right now is getting more people to the website. That's not something that I do. Go and build that up and then come and speak to me. See what I'm saying mm. is there, there, will, there will be something for every industry that you need your customers to have in place for you to be able to do your work. Mm. Cool? Makes sense. Authority. Just a statement? Just the next one, authority. <laughs> okay, so uh, in terms of authority, what we're trying to work out is are we speaking to the decision maker? Because yep. there's a lot of there's a hell of a lot of tie kicking when it comes to sale process. Some people are just, especially when they work in jobs, some people have got that much time on their hands. They're just calling around suppliers, getting prices, kicking tires, what's available. And that is the worst nightmare for a sales professional or a small company. If you're a one, two person company, someone kicking the tires is like the biggest waste of mm. your time. So what we need to identify is, am I speaking to the person that can make the decision? So let's just take the, the gas engineer again, the service-based yep. business is, one, they've qualified that they are able to do the work. So great, Harry, you're in Birmingham, you've got a gas boiler, perfect, it's my box. This is internal thinking. Yep. Next authority. And it's hard to say, are you the, it's basically saying, do you wear the pants in the mm-hmm. house or do I need to speak to someone else? Whereas there's more tactful ways of doing it. Uh, it might be along the lines of, great, when I come and see you, uh, is it you that's going to be choosing which boiler to have or is it someone else? Because it probably makes sense for me to beat you, meet you mm-hmm. both. Make sense? 
Yep. And I guess when it comes to corporate B2B selling, this is going to get a little bit more difficult because what you're often trying to do is sell into, let's just say a sales exec or a sales manager. And depending on the value of your product is it might require a sales director or a marketing director to sign it off, which is our sales process. Mm. So we often speak to marketing exec, then marketing manager, and then get it signed off by marketing director. That doesn't mean you don't take the meeting with the marketing mm. exec. What that means is you understand that the, the purpose of that meeting is to move up to the next meeting. Does okay. that make sense? So marketing exec, great. Is this something that your marketing manager is interested in learning more about? Great, I'll come speak to you. If it's a good fit, we'll then book a meeting with a marketing manager. Okay. Moving up the authority chain, but but you need to obviously have that clear intention in mind. You don't want to you don't want to be like shit. I need I we need to start going up the ladder. You need to go into that meeting knowing that you're trying to step up to uh, the person above. A hundred percent because it should change. And this is a great point that Stephen May <clears throat> highlighted with me in my presentations when he was in the office. He wanted to he wanted me to show him the presentation that I give to the marketing exec compared mm. to the marketing director because marketing execs tend to have more time. Like they'll fluff the meeting up an hour, hour and a half. Marketing director might give me 15 minutes to get to the key points and what, what are the value drivers. Mm. And Stephen was like, well, you, there's no really differential between how you're speaking to these two people. You need to fix that. Cool, great point. Been working on that. And it really makes me now go into a meeting and understand I'm speaking to you to get to your boss. I need to convert you into a champion internally. So when I leave, you believe and you're a fan and you want mm. to roll out our services. But my sole purpose of this meeting is to get to the next meeting. So just to kind of go off on a bit of a tangent with that, but is that, what do you do in that situation? Do you have the bigger bulky presentation, but then you know which bits you cut out for the, the director or is it vice versa, you know the key points and then you pad that out for the exec? So like what's your process on differentiating between who you're speaking to? Yeah, I think what I actually use very selfishly is I've got the time of the marketing exec rather than thinking, oh crap, it's an hour and a half of my time speaking to the marketing exec. I need to speak to the decision maker. Mm. I kind of flip it into a positive. It's like I've got an hour and a half to really dig in and fact find what's going on in this business because they tend to be a little bit more loose lipped. What's going on? What matters? What does your boss care about? What are your KPIs? Yeah, so you, you could literally ask them then what, what does the director want you to achieve Mr. Exec and how do we work together to get the yes from your boss? Mate, you, you put that exactly perfectly, mm. is how can me, Mr. Expert Trades Guy, coming in to sell you something? How do I make you look good to your boss? What mm. are you measured on? Yeah. What does the boss care about? Makes sense. And then you just cipher all the shit out your deck to just be the things that really matter. Okay, really good question, I like, I like it. it. Cool, next. Not budget. Budget's the last one. Um, I like testing you on what these. What was it? AA. Uh, I'm stuck on budget. So you've got ability. Ability. Authority. Authority. Inclination. Inclination. So what you, what's your thought process when I say inclination? You're in the room. In the intention of buying. Bang. You use a perfect word. Intent. Okay. So I'm trying to identify what your actual true intent of buying is. Are you kicking the tires? Or are you in the market to make a decision right now? So I imagine just from that, because I was thinking, well, sure, surely if they've got the budget and the, the decision maker, they're gonna they're gonna buy, it, but not necessarily. They could be, they could have, they could tick all the boxes, but not not gonna buy anything right now because I'm not really in the market. I'm just getting numbers ready for six months time. Yep. And this all comes down <laughs> to, and again, this is why I open the show with: you need to tailor this around your own sales process. If you know that you need to get into someone's buying cycle 12 months in advance, because that's when budgets come in mm -hmm. because of the product you sell. Yeah, great. I'm getting prices together for a budget that's due in February. 
then you're going to have to go and entertain that deal. But if we throw it back to a, we'll just keep coming back to it, a trades professional, they don't want to be going around someone's house if they're looking <laughs> at getting a new border in six months, nine months time. Yeah. There's zero point. So what we're trying to find out now is what is their intent to buy? What's the time frame that they're working to in their head of when they're going to literally give cash to buy this product or service? Uh, so example that we've got is for very simply for a heating engineer. And it's all about, and you've probably seen, it's all about asking the direct questions. So many people shy away from it. And you, you're in the room at the time. Is so many people don't like, they're like, oh, that sounds pushy. It sounds like I don't want to ask these sort of questions. I'd rather meet them face to face. Great. If you've got all the fucking time in the world and you want to go on schmooze every potential tie kicker, good for you. Sadly, we don't have the time to do that. So it's all about being professional. And I'm not saying you're a, you're a car salesman down the phone at them. We're just trying to identify my services. Are they a good fit for you right now? And what's your inclination? What's your time frame? Great. Ability, perfect. Authority, speaking decision maker. Just that curiosity, when are you looking to actually get a new boiler installed? On the basis, the price and everything's okay, when are you actually looking to have this new boiler installed? And they might go, well, my boiler's broke, I need ASAP. Or not in too much of a rush right now, to be honest. I just want it ahead of when winter kicks back in. Like winter mm. is coming. I went to Game of Thrones in my head then. So if that's if it's the second one, they go, great, I'm really busy right now. And because it's not an emergency, I'm not going to rush out to get a quote to you. Is it okay if we book something in in four weeks' time when it suits us both? It's, it's mm. not saying no to the lead. It's just having an understanding of where they are in their sales process. All that makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Cool. Last one, H. Budget. Nailed it. Nailed it. Straight off. And this is the one that most people really shy away from because, especially in our industry, like I don't want to speak about price. I don't want to speak about price on the phone. I want to get into the house. I need to see how much yeah. pipe needs putting in, how many radiators they've got, all this good stuff. Well, not even that, but just um, I want to see th- the house, see the type of person they are. Because yep. over the phone, they can be anybody. But like I met in in a lot of trades professionals because there's somewhat flexibility in pricing and things like that. They want to know by seeing a homeowner and realizing that potentially they've got a nice house, nice cars, or what the implication being that they're going to be, they're going to be a, a more upper market type of customer. So, so it means that rather than quoting for lower budget stuff that they might normally quote for, Oh, I can, I can push a a deer, a boiler, which is, which is quality. It's not just a heavier price tag, but they know that they're potentially dealing with a um, higher margin. It's a really, really good point. And that actually leads us on to what we're going to talk about in the next show, which is identifying different types of customers on that initial call because there's four different types of customers. And it's not about trying to just increase your prices. It's about mm. when you go to a guy who's got a five-bed house and a, and a like he's on a really good salary, you're not trying to sell him a Fiat Punto. You're going to go and try and sell mm. him a sports car. You know, It's just that sort of thing. Is yeah. You're just trying to match the products and services you offer because a lot of times when you go and speak to someone that's wealthy, affluent type of customer mm. is how we speak about it is when you go in with a budget option, they don't take you seriously. And it's, it's even yeah. if you're offering the same as the next guy, but he's had an extra 500 quid on the quote, because he's paying more, he feels like he's getting a better service. Yeah. There's all those psychological stuff yeah. we get onto. But budget is what people stay clear of. And for heating engineers, they go, well, I can't quote it over the phone because I need to see the job. However, when you dig in, and this is what I want everyone to do on this show, is even if you offer a, a fairly consultative service, uh, a heat engineer fits stuff in. But what they do completely depends on the scope of the property. Mm-hmm. So they go, well, I can't give a price. Well, they can, because when you ask them, great, what's a combi to combi swap, which is a boiler out, boiler in. And they go, well, it's about two, they tell you instantly, about two grand. I go, great, why can't you qualify a customer in that price bracket? 
They go, because it might be 2200. I go, I'm not expecting you to give a quote over the phone. Mm. People just want a ballpark figure. Don't they? they want to just understand. Like, it's like a from price. A price, prices start from X. Yep. Like, no one, everyone knows that they're not going to pay that price because that's why it's a from, because it's always going to move. But you know that if it's from 1500 or if it's from 2000, at least you can say, right, from the customer's point of view, then they're then not going to waste their own time speaking to someone that's starting at two and a half grand when really their budget's 1500 100%. so it makes sense for everyone to know <laughs> where where the budget's looking because last thing you want to do and this is where we see things go into facebook groups where it's like oh, i've just gone and driven 45 minutes to the customer they're expecting a new boiler for a thousand pounds including labor when it, their prices are two and a half grand mm. and when i read that i go it's your fault just naturally because i know the tools but these guys don't which is why we're training them so let's just say you're a gas engineer and they know their prices are about, I don't know, 2,200 quid for a, a, their normal install is about mm-hmm. 2,200 pounds. The way to sort of get across that message because people don't like to speak about price on the phone, it's you've gone through the, the three. You've gone through ability, authority, and inclination. And you go, great, Harry. Um, it sounds like what you need is a, is a combination boiler swap. Mm-hmm. So combi out, combi in. Our price range varies from between 1,700 pounds and 2,600 pounds, completely subject to survey and depending on what the extra mod cons mm-hmm. that you want, the filters and the thermostats. Is that bracket within the budget you were looking for? Mm-hmm. And they have to then sell, no, uh, no, no, I thought it was gonna be about 1,500 quid. If you know that you're never gonna do that job for 1,500 quid, then you don't go out and quote mm-hmm. the job. You move on to the next person and you save yourself the time. What you've actually done as well is you've set the expectations for the customer. So you know when you go in, they are already semi-acceptance of a 1,700 pounds to a 2,600 pounds quote. And then this really gets mm-hmm. into the psychology of selling, which is you're asking your customers to make these micro commitments all the time. By answering questions, hard questions around budget, you're getting them to say yes, yes, yes. So when you actually go to close the business, they've already closed themselves. So by the time you get to put in the final quote in, there should be no question marks whether they take it yes or no. They should have already closed their self through the sales process. That's uh, I know, yeah, I was just going to say, I know sometimes the hardest thing is actually saying no to the work. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of costs that come with any job that, again, speaking about heating engineers, just because it's kind of it's yep. trades that we deal with a lot. But obviously, every job costs these guys money up front. Like they, they, have, to, they have to front the money for, for the materials, the boiler, the switches, whatever it is. Like everyone has, they have to put their money up front first. They can take deposits and things, but they have to take a commitment but i've spoke to guys before and the, and they've been they've been like yeah i just i just say yes to everything that comes in cuz i need the money rolling in yep but it's almost counterintuitive to say that if 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 they really don't want to work below 2 grand for example for a, for a swap um but someone's called you saying that the 1500 it's almost, it's hard to say no because that's a job that's there on the end of the phone agree but this is where when we get into the rest of the sales workbook and I understand that people need to do the work to get the money in like we've mm-hmm. all been there like my day rate as a consultant six years ago was a lot different to what it's going to be today like that's just because mm-hmm. over time you, you learn your value and you know how to charge for it but the key thing is even if your customer goes it's 1500 quid I'm not saying you put the phone down to them I'm saying at that point because that's an objection mm-hmm. and we get into objection handling later they might be saying 1500 pounds because they've googled something on the internet and they found out a boiler's a grand a filter's 200 quid mm-hmm. and the stats are 100 and it's a day, I'm going to give you two, 300 quid for your work in the day. Like, you can go into the objection and the process, which we won't go into it today, but it might look something like, 
Harry, interestingly, say 1,500 pounds, just that curiosity, where did you get that price from? Then make up any answer you want to. Uh, an online quote creator. Cool. So to be honest, I really appreciate you letting me know that because most people don't give me the details. And when people do these online quotes, it really only covers 60% of the materials that you need, mm. like the big items, like the mm. boiler and the filter. <laughs> Outside of that, there's a lot of stuff that I need to install just to make sure it's safe. So to be honest, that normally puts in the bracket of 1800 plus. Is that something you'd be comfortable with on the basis that everything's installed correctly? Like it. See what we're doing now? Yeah, yeah. That was a very like loose one, just off the cuff. But it's what we're trying to do is pull the customer's expectations and create uncertainty when they're like, "Oh, yeah, I didn't actually didn't actually Google the the price." Yeah, or, it, it was just. I guess it was just materials that I looked at. Didn't think that there's going to be someone there actually fitting it. Sort 100%. of thing. So it's just creating that uncertainty okay. and then building the value up. I'm not saying you say, "Oh no, 1500 quid phone down." It's <laughs> We then get into the objection handling yep. stage because obviously the customer's got price and they might go, well, I've got uh, I've got three other quotes and they're all about 1,500 quid, mate. And you go, oh, that's cool. Really appreciate you telling me. Mm-hmm. And then you go into that objection handling process, which is a really fun one, to be honest. Uh, and we'll get into that in a future show. Is there anything else around the qualifying customers that you think we haven't covered off for this show? Uh, no, I think that's, that's, I guess that's covered it for now. There's obviously more to it than that. That's just kind of understanding where to uh, bracket the customer, whether they're worth your time or whether you just need to draw like Because I guess, I guess if you can if you can pre-qualify the customer and understand that their budget is way off of what you can do, yep. then you would say thanks, but no thanks. Hundred percent. You should say there are always there are always installers that will do it cheaper than me, um, but sadly we can't drop ourselves mm. that bracket. Uh, good luck. And you just have to have the confidence to turn down work because every time you say yes to a job, you're saying no to another one that mm. might have been on the same day yeah. that might be better value. Yeah. Key thing is for this, guys, when you're listening, is I do strongly advise that every whether you work from home at a desk or whether you're in the van and you're a, you're a service professional like a trades, have these four things written on a notepad. Ability, authority, inclination, and budget. And then write down some example questions of how you might get this out of the customer on an initial call. So if you're, if you're at a desk, have it as a notepad, have it as a Google Sheet, have it as a type form that you work through as, a, as an initial call. Get yourself into the, I'm gonna call it the gym, like it's very easy to be given the tools. You know how mm. to have a six pack, you know how to get healthy, but unless you actually do the work, nothing actually happens off the back of it. <laughs> so trust me, I'm aware of that right now. I had to just sit down as we were, but Harry's laughing because he just, I had to just sit down uh, halfway through this podcast because I felt out of breath. I did, a, I did a cage fight two weeks ago and I've just destroyed my body since. Um, but it comes down to doing the work guys. So ability, authority, inclination, and budget, work out how you get those on your initial calls. I promise you, you'll have better qualified customers that give you less objections at the end of the sales process. Because when you do this process correctly, the customer closes himself. If you find yourself always running up against problems with, they didn't have, I'm speaking to the wrong person, mm-hmm. or they didn't have the budget, it's your fault. So let's tackle these now. So down the line, when you're closing business, you have a much higher success rate. Like it. We shall wrap this one up there. With the new email. With the new email. That's what I was kind of alluding to. Uh, Guys, if you have a question, you can email it in to the new address, which is hopefully a little easier. Uh, Probably still going to be a sticking point for some people. But you can email startupdiary at nbs.fm. So that's startupdiary at nbs.fm. NBS as in no bullshit dot FM. 
As you guys know, if you've been a listener, we're in the process of bringing our community with a new podcast out. We have an amazing member of our community called Jeremy, who's bringing some amazing entrepreneurs on for a new show we're calling Startup Stories. NBS.fm is going to be our network. It's going to be a no bullshit network where we have real talk on real topics. We can't wait to launch our new shows. Speak to you soon.